Well, <laughs> you know, it's pretty amazing um, just how the Lord is. Uh, just a couple of things. About two weeks ago, in prayer, the Lord began to speak to me again about Ezekiel 47, 9. This is what the church name came from, talking about the river of God coming out of the house of God. And uh, he started talking to me in John 7, talking about the water that he would give. He said, uh, John 7 talks about the water springing up on the inside, talking about the Holy Spirit. It'll be a, uh, a river <coughs> of living water. And uh, so I've just been praying into that and pressing into that, and it's so cool. I mean, you can say these are little things. I just think it's the goodness of the Lord that Mel chose this background today. I didn't say anything to her, and you, just so you know, uh, I believe that's the Holy Ghost, <laughs> just a visual, because we're going to talk a little bit about that, because what's so awesome about that, not just the uh, this, but last week, it was so cool. Uh, Mel had texted me, and I don't remember what day it was, and she said, uh, Hey, what's the name of the message? Because most of the time, I don't know. I don't. I'm just being honest. She'll call me. I'll say, what do you think? <laughs> She'll text and say, what do you think? Because I just want to uh, be sensitive to what he's saying. But the short story is this. She texted me, and I think it was the next day I got back with you. I said, oh, man, I forgot to get back with you. I said, well, what I wanted to call it was uh, Resurrection Life. Isn't that right? Isn't that what it was? Resurrection Life, she said, she sent me a screenshot. She had already named it and put it up, Resurrection Life. Amen. That's the Holy Ghost right there. I'm saying, he said that he would lead us, and you go, oh, you're just taking things too far. You know what? I would much rather go too far than err on the side of caution and never hear his voice. I don't want to get to heaven and him say, man, there was so much more I wanted to do you just wouldn't believe me for I would rather get to heaven and him go, you know what? You really stretched it on some things. I'm like, hey, it's all good. <laughs> I'm just being honest. That's where I'm coming from. I, I, th- I don't think, I really don't think that we can exaggerate his love. When we survey the wondrous cross, I mean, when we really look hard at, at what he did, and, and part of what I want to share is that when we look at the cross and we look at Jesus and we see him there, what he purchased for us, I, um, there's so much in my own life that I see that he has already set us free from. And as we see him and we allow that freedom to rule and reign in our lives, it's manifested. It, but it, it has to begin. Uh, it, it's, it's finished in his eyes, but it has to begin here for us. It has to begin here in the head, in the mind, the mind, will, and emotion. When that is renewed, and uh, one of the things a couple of weeks ago when we were in prayer, and the Lord just really began to speak to me about this river, and uh, coming out of Ezekiel, Ezekiel 47, you know, I'm not going to read all of it uh, for time, but in verse 9, it talks about the river, come, you know, it starts, it's, there's a river coming out of the temple, out of the house of God, and the river's ankle deep, then it's knee deep, then it's waist deep, then it's so deep that he had to swim. There was, uh, <clears throat> there was no control left. He was at the control of the river, right? So uh, as I was pressing into that and just really, I've, I can't get away 
from John 19 where Jesus was crucified and they, he was hanging on the cross and he said, you know, I'm not going to go through the seven last words, but he said, it is finished. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he says, it is finished. And he died. And they, uh, I touched on this a few weeks ago back, I don't remember when, but this, the soldier having seen what Jesus said, uh, seen Jesus when he said it, took a spear and he pierced his side, and it says blood and water came out. And uh, I've just been pressing into that because, if, uh, and I mentioned this, if you go back to Genesis when God created Adam, where did he take Eve from? From this side. And I said this, that when Eve, when God created Adam, Eve was already in there. He didn't say God created Adam and when he wanted, he saw that it wasn't good that Adam was alone. He went inside of Adam and created a woman. No, it said he took a rib from Adam and in that rib was, was Eve. She was already there. And in Jesus on the cross, the church was already there. Paul called it a mystery that was hidden before, from the beginning of time. It was a mystery, this church who would be the bride of Christ, who, who he would purchase with his blood, who would be birthed at his death and resurrection. And that through this birthing, that this church would not just be a people who knew about God, there would be a people in relationship with God. It would be a person who was restored to authority and dominion and relationship with God. See, that, the, and in that, you can, you can have authority without relationship, but you can't have relationship without having authority. And that may sound backwards, but it, it's not. I meant exactly like I said. You can be put in a place of authority and not have any relationship with the one who put you in authority or those who are in authority under you. But when you're in relationship with him, authority comes with it. Now, how much we understand and exercise that authority depends on how much we, be, we lean into that relationship and we grow and know about that relationship. Does that make sense? So we talked last week about resurrection life. My heart just burns for this reality of Ezekiel 47.9, again, it wasn't a cute thing. We prayed for months before this ministry ever started. We really tried to talk God out of it. Just being totally honest, my wife and I, we, we sat down and we prayed and we said, well, if a, if a church is launched, it's going to have all of these needs and it's going to have all these things. And I said, I know, but if we don't, and this is what the Lord's called us to do, who will? And I want to say, I don't think we're the only ones in the area that's doing what the Lord wants them to do. I'm saying that we're doing what the Lord told us to do. How I've, we feel, not just I, but we as a, as a leadership team, feel that the Lord is directing us because we desire to be that river. It's not just a cute name. And as I was pressing into that, and I was pressing into... Just saying, God, I want to understand more about this. And so he talked to me about the river that come out of the house of God. And he talked to me about the, the blood and the water that came out of Jesus' side. And I studied that again. A couple of things that I really looked into this week as I was studying. One is, you know, it's been said that the blood of a child comes from the father, not from the mother. 
Well, scientists say all kinds of things. They say that, it, that uh, it's, and I'm not talking about blood type. If, if you look it up, majority of what they say is blood type. But here's one thing I know for sure, that the mother does not give the child blood through the umbilical cord. She does not. She gives nutrients and things like that, but she does not give the child blood. Why is that important? Because Jesus was born of a virgin who did not have the seed of man. He did not have the seed of sin in him. Are you with me? That's how he was sinless. Not just a good man. He was sinless because the, the, the tainted blood that was passed down from Adam didn't come into him. His father birthed him. His father put that seed in Eve. You with me? So it was that blood, it was that sinless blood that had to be shed for our redemption. So as I was looking at that, the other thing that it took me to is that when Jesus was on the cross, it says that, that uh, blood and water came out. And there's a lot of different things that you can, you know, you can get lost if you just go looking for information. But if you're, if you're looking for truth, the Holy Spirit can reveal to you. And one of the things that was pretty much across the board is that for, for him to have been that early in the process of death, that for blood and water to come out, it meant, stop, meant the heart had to have ruptured. That the heart ruptured. So when Jesus cried, it is finished, you know, you've heard people say, Jesus didn't die on the cross, he died of a broken heart. Jesus really, his heart burst for us. I don't think it was the pain and the anguish. I think it was the love that he had for us. That that physical heart couldn't hold the love that he had. And it just exploded for his love for us. Not so that we could die and go to heaven. But so that we could have life and have it more abundantly here on earth. So that we, living in this earth, could bring heaven to earth. That we could live as sons and daughters of the Most High God with this power that Jesus demonstrated in the earth, living uh, in and through us, affecting those around us. As I was, I was looking at that, the thing the Lord just really... Uh, is that we are that river, not the water. I first said we're the water, but the Lord corrected me. Don't you love how he does that? I'm telling you, if you can't be teachable, you can't grow. That's in any area of life. When you cease to be teachable, I don't care if you're the president and CEO of the company, if you can't be teachable, if you can't be taught, you can't learn. You've, you've reached your ceiling. One of the guys at uh, the fire department said this. I was uh, at a breakfast, and it was Firefighters for Christ. And, but he said something that was very profound. That, uh, but he was talking, and all of us talking, he said something that just, it set me back in my seat. And it was, the Lord taught me several things. One is, don't ever, ever, ever discount the package that God delivers your word in. Don't reject the package because you might miss the gift. Because sometimes the Lord will bring us in a word or, or, or something in a package that we wouldn't prefer, but it can still be profound if we'll hear and he, we were talking, and in, in, in all this talking, he said this. Well, I'm just going to tell you this. When a firefighter quits training, he needs to quit because he's become dangerous to himself and everybody around him. And I was like, wow, that's profound. 
Because if you put it in life, when, when a believer quits learning, they become dangerous to themselves and to others. Why? Because what you become then is religious. When you quit learning, you've gotten to the place where you go, oh, I know this, but there's no corresponding action. There's no faith released in what you know. So then you just become religious. So then what you do is you start, telling, you start condemning everybody else who doesn't know what you do, even if they're doing something that looks different than what you used to do. So we've got to continue just to allow the Lord to teach us that we can grow. Because that's what relationship is all about, right? I mean, I've shared this many times before. My wife and I, this August, we'll celebrate 25 years. Praise the Lord. 25 amazing years. And you know what? In 25 years, we're still learning. We were talking yesterday uh, about when we met in... How we met at the bowling alley. Just knocking them down and picking them up. <laughs> we met at the bowling alley. But uh, when we met, I was 16. Come on. I'm only 21 now. <laughs> but uh, we didn't get married when I was 16. She would have, but I told her, whoa, slow down. <laughs> The male will text Tina later today and say, don't worry, I cut that part out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But in 25 years, I still love being in relationship with her. I don't love what happened 25 years ago. I love what happened this morning, what happened yesterday. I love the way that she knows me. This morning, she just read my mail. And I'm like, no, no. She said, no. No, not no. And then I could just look at her, and all I could do is laugh because <laughs> she just read my mail. And I go, wow, Lord, thank you. You know what that is? That's relationship. That doesn't come from us saying, I do, 25 years ago and not communicating. It, con- it came, and it comes from staying in relationship, staying in communication. You know, any couple that I've ever counseled for marriage, I tell them there's three C's to a successful relationship. It's communication, communication, communication. If you miss the first one, don't miss the second one. <laughs> it's communication. And you know what? The same thing is true in relationship. It's not I mean, with the Lord. It's not monologue. It's dialogue. You know what many of our prayers have turned into? Monologue. It's us telling God all the stuff that we think he should know that he obviously doesn't know because if he did, something would be different. Well, don't shout me down while I'm preaching good. (laughs) Instead of talking to God, and we do, we bring our petitions to God, but then getting in the word and getting along with him in, in in worship, getting along with him and just allowing him to speak to us. That's what I read when he said, there's coming a day in this new covenant that you won't have to have your neighbor teach you, but the Lord himself is going to teach you. How does he do that? John's gospel said it's through Holy Spirit. He said, it's imperative that I go away because when I go away, I'm going to give you the comforter, the parakletos, the one called alongside, the comforter to guide you in life. Amen. Amen. So our relationship is based on that intimacy that we have with him not just us talking, but him talking with us. And it's then that we become that river. And what I mean by the river 
is we're the container that carries the presence of the Lord to those who are outside. We're the channel, if you will. We're the banks. And what I'm saying is this. The more you get intimate with him, the more the banks lose their strength. (laughs) Uh, You didn't hear me. Because the more they lose their strength, that means that we get out of the banks. That means that the river that's flowing in us, John chapter 7, you go read it. Jesus said that he spake of the Holy Spirit, which would be a river flowing out of us. This spake he of the Holy Spirit who had not yet been given. So as we understand that we're that container, that the temple of God. You know, the words that have been coming to the river here that have been say that the Lord has been speaking to us as a corporate body is this, is it's not to be contained here, right? It's to go out. And, and what I'm saying is everywhere you go, you are a river. You carry the presence of the Lord. Now, what that means is, that, and here's what I believe. You are a river, not what you do, just innate by nature. When you get born again and Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you, you're a river. Now, what we do determine is the size of that river, the impact and influence of that river. How? Not by what we do, but by the time we spend with Him. Because I promise you, as you spend time with Him, He'll begin to do what the youth, the name of our youth ministry is Overflow. That's what begins to happen. As we spend time with him, we lose sight of us, and we get to see him, and we see greater depths of who he is, and those things that used to hold us in our little place seem not to do so well anymore. Because opportunities will present themselves, and instead of being worried about the outcome, we just go, you know what, this, is so, this river is running so strong on the inside of me, it's got to get out of the banks. <laughs> Amen. That's good. Thank you, Todd. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. (laughs) Isaiah 55 says this, All you who are thirsty, come to the water. You without money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money. It's free. Why spend money for what isn't food, your wages for what doesn't satisfy? Listen carefully to me. You will eat well, you will enjoy the fat of the land. Open your ears and come to me. Listen well and you will live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the grace I assured David. He said, come to me. How, what did he say? If you're thirsty, what do you do? Come. Come to me. And he said, you'll eat freely. Why? Because Jesus paid the price that we can eat freely. And as we partake of him, it fills us to overflowing that we can minister to others. Psalms 42, one of my favorite passages says this, Just as a deer longs for running streams, God, I long for you. I'm thirsty for God, for the living God. When can I, co- when can I come and appear before God? You know, um, as we were worshiping, Diana came up to me. and It's so cool how the Lord, when the presence of the Lord is here, he'll stir people up. Diana's not one that runs up to me and gives me a word a whole lot. Uh, but she came up, and she was just kind of wrecked in his presence. She said, I just see that, that the body, the church, is like this big pot. And the Lord's there, and he's just stirring it, he's stirring the pot. That's a good thing. You know, we talk about people, well, they just somebody who likes to stir the pot. <laughs> but the Bible says, stir up yourselves. Uh, 
Stir up the gift that are on the inside of you, praying in the Holy Ghost. You stir yourself up. Why? Because you settle. And all the good stuff settles to the bottom. And all that comes out the top is, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> but she said that the Lord was just showing she had this vision that as the more he stirred, the more the ingredients just came together and just melt together and, and function like they were supposed to function. And that the worship went to a new level and the ministry went to a new level. Are you with me? And uh, so I was, I was listening to that, and then um, Stephanie came up to me, and it went right along with what I shared earlier, and I meant to share it then, but she said, I just see the, like a package, and the Lord is saying, take the package off. You know, one, don't have him in a box, and, and the other thing is that there's stuff in you the Lord is saying, don't keep it wrapped up. Are you with me? Let it out. Isn't that right? Was that right? Let it out. And I go, man, that's exactly what the Lord is saying. That's what he's saying to this house is that it's not, man, we got, and I am all about coming and, and enjoying his presence. But I really believe what the Lord is saying is that we come and we fellowship and we receive <clears throat> so that we can go out as the river. The river's not us gathering here corporately. The river's us going out, carrying the presence of the Lord. Wherever that is, whether that be in our, our workplace or whatever it is, it's us carrying that presence of the Lord out to those who don't know. And, and then this morning, uh, Josh, first thing, sent me a text, and he was talking about uh, the Valley of Dry Bones and the prophet speaking. And he said, can these bones live? And he said, what? Prophesy to the bones. And uh, can they live? Absolutely. You know what? You might... In your workplace or wherever it is, it might look like a valley of dry bones. You know what your responsibility is? It's not to try to make the bones live. It's your responsibility to prophesy. <laughs> it's only his spirit that, makes the, the, that brings it all back together. All, our responsibility is to prophesy. Our responsibility is to declare who, what the Lord has said in that place. You know what? That could be you going to work and just declare, you know what, Lord? This is a day you have made. I rejoice, and I'm glad in it. I thank you, Lord, that where I am right now, I carry your presence. And I just believe, Lord, no matter what it looks like externally, that me being here is making a difference. And I just release your presence. Lord, I just carry, I acknowledge today that I'm a river. I'm a container uh, that carries the presence of the Lord everywhere I go. And where I am is right here, right now. That's profound, isn't it? Where you are is where you are right now. And where you are is where you carry the presence of the Lord. And you have the ability to impact those around you. And as we set our heart on him, as we set our attention on him and his love for us, not our love for him, we set our attention on his love for us, then we'll allow that presence, his presence, to flow out of us. You know, it's some of the passages that, uh, that he just really stirred up. First John, as, as I was studying this, and uh, he took me to First John chapter 4. And, um, you know, you could call me one of those love preachers, and that's all right. I'm good with that. I'd rather be a love preacher than a hate monger. Because love covers a multitude of sin. Hate doesn't. You know, I'm convinced. I've heard uh, Bill Johnson say this before, and I've seen it lived out in my life and relationships that I have with people I know. 
that some people wouldn't have a message at all if they didn't tell what somebody else was doing wrong. They wouldn't have a message to share. They wouldn't have anything to post on Facebook if they weren't telling what everybody else is doing wrong. That's sad. That's not life. That's death. So if you follow somebody that all they're doing is telling what everybody else is doing wrong, whether it be religious, spiritual, or just carnal, stop. Because what you behold, you become. That stuff will be released into you. Well. (laughs) I said, first, John, wait a minute. Hold your place. Romans 13, verse 8 says this. Owe no one anything except to love one another. You just want them love preachers. Absolutely, because God so loved the world that he gave his son for me. I'm his favorite. (laughs) That was for somebody. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. So for all those who are just so concerned that I, that, that, the law is not being upheld. He said this, if you love, you fulfill the law. What do you think about that? I'm about to have a question and answer session right here. I mean, how does that impact our lives? You know, for those who say, yes, we get saved by grace, but you still have to keep the law if you're going to please God. He said right here, I didn't. Paul said in Romans 13, 8, Oh, no one except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Why? Because God so loved that he sent his son, that in his coming, that the son tore down that wall of separation. That his son in coming made us sons and daughters. That's good news. And I know this may not be new news. It doesn't have to be new to be good. It has to be, it's good when we allow it to transform our hearts and our lives. He said this, for the commandments, verse 9, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, and if there's any other commandment, are all summed up. I mean, he knew. <laughs> Do you ever read the Bible like they were real people writing? Huh? I mean, really. Do you ever read it like they're real people, not like they hovered over the ground and didn't touch the ground, didn't get their feet dirty, didn't stink when they sweat? You know what I'm saying? Like they're real people. I, I love to read Paul. Paul's very real. <laughs> He's very real. And here he said this, you shall not commit adultery. Who was Paul. Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, right? Do you think Paul knew the law? Absolutely. He was killing Christians until he had an encounter with Christ. That's still happening today. In the name of religion, as I said earlier, there are those people that all, they feel like their job is to assassinate other people who don't believe exactly like they do. They choose to point out differences and, and tear down differences instead of pointing, at, pointing people to Christ who draws us together. Paul knew the law. Paul knew he could have broken it down and made anybody look embarrassed. He was zealous about keeping the law. But he says here, 
for the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. If there any other commandment are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. He said, if there's other laws, here's the deal. It's all summed up in love. It was fulfilled in love. It's not wiped over or covered over. It wasn't a covering over. It was a a completing. Jesus didn't cover over the law. He completed it. He fulfilled it so that we can walk in relationship with him. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this will all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. You think there's, I I have a theme here, I do. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and God knows. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Hmm. He said, anyone who does not love does not know. You don't understand who God is. See, God can cause you to love the unlovely. He can cause you to love those who everyone else pushes aside. Why? Because his love is an overwhelming love. God is love. He says, And anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this is love. In this, the love of God was manifested among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the payment, the cancellation for our sins. Look at verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected or made complete in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. So in all of this, he's talking about confessing that Jesus, who Jesus is, that God abides in him. How do we know this? Because he came to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Is that what it says? Yes. Not that we have for him, that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. Look at verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. Three times in this short passage of Scripture, John draws attention not on how much we love God, not on how much we serve God, not on how much we know about God, but how much God loves us. Why? Because he said in understanding that love, you can live from that love. And when we learn to live from that love, it will affect those around us. 
me say it this way. When we really begin to understand how much God loves us, that love will affect the people around us that God sent us to love on. And those people look different. And you know what's so cool? Some of them may not even know they need it. Some may not even know how much they need it until they see someone who really walks in it. I believe that's how we're to be the salt. What's salt do? It makes you thirsty. I'm telling you, you, you put a little salt in your mouth, you, oh man, I got to have some water. Salt will make you thirsty. Salt is, we're the salt of the earth. We're the love. Let me just give me a little bit of liberty. We're the love of the earth. And if, if we've lost our love, what good are we? That's what he says about salt. If salt has lost its saltiness, what good is it? It's just to be thrown out. It's not affecting anything. So if, if we understand that we're the salt of the earth and that Jesus said, don't concentrate on how much you love me, concentrate on how much I love you. He said, by this will all men know you're my disciples if you love one another. Here in 1 John, he's talking about that our love, uh, people will see our love and they'll believe that he's the son of God. So as we are that salt, as we are that love, that people get around. I've seen it in my life. I, I can just give you testimony. I've seen it in my life. When the Lord has highlighted somebody and told me just love on them, it doesn't mean go up to them, kiss them on the cheek. It doesn't mean it. It just expressed his love through me to them. I've watched them. Their whole countenance change. I've got to share this. This week, uh, Wednesday, we had a uh, guy come to, to spray our house for bugs. We have this. A pest control company, and they come out quarterly and they spray. So we were, uh, I was at the house, it was right uh, right around four or something, and they had called me the day before and told me they were going to be out, and I thought I had missed them, so I was sitting there and I was reading, and uh, the doorbell rings, and this there's a gentleman there, and he said, hey, I'm with the company, I'm here to spray, you have any issues? No. And He said, all right, well, I'll spray and treat everything outside, I'm going to put pellets out, and he told me everything he was going to do, and uh, I said, okay, so I went back in the house, and uh, as I was in the house, I said, Lord, is there anything you want to tell him? I mean, it, is there anything you want to say to him? And it just came up, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a Lord that said, Todd, I have a word for him, or anything like that. I wasn't fasting and praying, and I'm not making light of these things, I'm just saying, I, it was just like that. I, saw, I was so consumed with who the Lord is and his love for me and saying, God, I don't, I don't want to just hear messages and stay the same. Faith is an action. Faith moves. Faith believes. But there's an action to it. And I said, Lord, I just I want to be sensitive. Do you have anything? I didn't. Go, oh, God, give me a word, give me a word, give me a word. I didn't say it. I just said, Lord, is there anything you want to say to him? And it just rose up on the inside of him. He said, I felt like the Lord said, tell him that I love him. So he said, tell him Jesus loves him and that his father loves him. Now, how many of you know, that can be a little awkward. That the bug man rings your doorbell and say, I'm done. And you go, hey, I want to tell you something. (laughs) Jesus loves you and your father loves you. 
you know, it's sometimes, uh, anyway. So this guy, he rings the doorbell and he tells me he's done and uh, he wants me to sign this paper. And I go, hey, man, I, I said, I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't say that. I, don't, I mean, I, not, not that there's anything wrong. That's just, I don't walk up with people and say, hi, I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't do that. I'm, sometimes I say I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. I mean, that was just, I was just like, all right. I'm a follower of Jesus. And I said, I feel like the Lord wanted me to share something with you. I said, I feel like he wanted me to let you know that Jesus loves you and that your father loves you. And he just went. His jaw dropped. And he said, wow. He said, my father has been in and out of my life all my life. He said, he's in Central America somewhere right now. He said, in the past five years, we've tried to reestablish a relationship, but I haven't heard from him. And uh, he was just undone. And he said, man, I'm a Christian, but you just made my day. He said, that just made my day. And uh, I was like, it made mine too. (laughs) He said, can I hug you? I said, absolutely. So me and the bug man hugging on my front step. <laughs> you got to love the love of the Lord and the goodness of the Lord because it wasn't until later I was sitting in there, I was thinking, I wonder what that looked like in the neighborhood. <laughs> Thought about you, Josh. <laughs> me and the bug man embracing. <laughs> Hi. You know, but it was so cool. It was so cool. And I, I went back in the house, and I was sitting there, and I thought, you know what? I want his name because <clears throat> I want to continue to pray for him. So I went out and knocked on his window and startled him a little bit. I hadn't already done enough. <laughs> he looked up, and I started. I said, hey, man, would you tell me your name? I said, because I want to pray for you. Uh, I want to I continue to pray for you because I know God's got some amazing things in store for you, and you're just going to see him reveal his love to you. And uh, he said, where do you go to church? Yeah, I'm convinced. As we express his love, you don't have to invite people to come. They'll want to know. You understand? I don't think you have to talk people into Jesus. You just have to express who he really is. If you present who he really is, and that's something that I've been doing is I talk with people, not talk about religion, not talk about church, but just talk about Jesus. And to ask them, you know, I understand church, I understand bad experiences and all that, but what is your issue with Jesus? What did he do to you? What did Jesus do to you? All right, what did he do for you? Let's just look at him a minute. Huh? So I got his name, and I've been praying for him, and uh, I gave him a card. I said, he said, where are you? Are you here? And he was from, this company is from Durham, and... uh, so he doesn't live in this area, but he said, man, thank you. He said, that just made my day. And that wasn't about me. I'm not, I'm not saying that to puff me up. I'm just telling you, it was that simple. I could have missed it, and I could have chosen not to share it. You have a choice. I could have chosen not to share it, but by me just expressing that I was, you know, I was sitting in the house in relationship with the Lord. I was reading, just talking to the Lord. And then this opportunity presented itself. I'm, I'm just convinced that we're that river that flows out of the house of God. And that there are many opportunities that we have. Because if you read, go back to Ezekiel and you read there, he said that everywhere the river goes, there's life. 
Come on. Put your name in there. Everywhere I go, there's life. Everywhere I go, bitter waters are turned sweet. How different would some workplaces go if when you went in, instead of turning normal water bitter, you turned bitter water sweet? Huh? Come on. I promise you this. What did Grandma used to say? You can draw more with sugar than you can with what? What? Vinegar or is that what it was? I couldn't remember. I lost it as soon as I said it. I'm like, I didn't listen too good to Grandma, did I? (laughs) I was just all about the sugar. You're right, Grandma. Give me some sugar. (laughs) So I'm not saying that we just excuse sin. What I'm saying is this, that we give people something that overcomes sin, and that's the love of God. Amen? That we acknowledge and we understand that we are the river of God. Not just that we're in a church called the river. Not just that, uh, you know, his life flows out. We're the containers. We're the temple. We're the carrier. There's so many analogies that the word gives. And some of them, you know, if you just try to understand God rationally, you never will. Because he's not. (laughs) He can't be figured out. And if you try to figure him out, what you'll do is you'll make a Jesus that looks too much like you. But when we say, Lord, I just want, I want to be who you've called me to be. I want to understand your love so that I can express that love. So that means wherever I go, I have opportunity to allow your love to flow through me. And I can tell you from personal experience that his love, as a matter of fact, the Bible says, it's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. It's the love of God. It draws men to repentance. Again, that doesn't make light of sin. It doesn't excuse sin. It doesn't mean that we become become inclusive and just accept everybody the way they are and there needs to be no change because God just loves everybody and everybody's going to get to heaven. That's not what I'm saying. He said this, when you encounter true love, you change. In a practical sense, let's stand and and I'll close. In a practical sense, when when you just answer me this, (laughs) This might be loaded. But when you find the person that you really love, does it not affect how you respond with other people whom of the opposite sex? Does not your love for that one to whom you are drawn affect how you respond to others? Absolutely, it does. Absolutely, it does. The same is true with the Lord. When our affection is set on Him, it'll, it'll affect how we respond to sin and how we allow sin to affect our lives. Amen. If As we fall in love with Jesus, you'll do more accidentally than you ever did on purpose. Because your heart is just to, to allow that love to flow through you. Amen.